0: Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Amen. I'm going to turn up the brightness on this one second. There we go. You can see better now. Uh, So we have made it all the way through eight weeks of this Ask Me Anything series. Have you all enjoyed it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I have to admit that I really enjoy it too. Um, It kept me on my feet. It absolutely kept me on my feet. And um, many of the questions that you asked, in my gut, I knew I knew the answer to. Like I knew what the church's response, the kind of generous orthodox response was to that. But I had never been forced to craft an answer that I had to speak aloud. <laughs> and and so thank you for that. Um, thank you for pushing me theologically during this season. Um, it's felt it yeah it's felt rich and challenging for me, which I enjoy. Um, and as you might suspect, there are many questions that I never got to. And So let me speak to those of you who have questions I never got to. And I will say, you, there was a range of kinds of questions I never got to. From everything that was like, where do dinosaurs fall in the creation story? Right? But not one that, like, it's, it's really good, but I can't build a whole sermon off of it. Like, um, it's, it's hard. So it, I didn't get to it, maybe I'll tuck it into another sermon sometime. Um, but from that all the way to um, something I could build an entire sermon series on. The topic that you all asked about throughout all of the questions, like 15 out of 50 questions, the topic that was most asked, I did not address. And I'll tell you why. I decided not to tackle it in this series because I'm going to craft an entire sermon series right after Easter to address the main question that you all had. Over and over again, more than anything else in your questions, you all made it known that you have so many questions about what the Bible is, how it is authored, at what level it is true, What are we supposed to believe as fact? What are we supposed to believe as myth and metaphor? You all had so many questions about what the Bible actually is. And so I would love to launch into a series right now on that. I would love to, but that's not actually what the season of Lent is for. So we're going to take a break. A season of Lent is for, like, spiritually forming our hearts and devoting our lives to God. So we're going to do good enough, but right after... Easter, we're going to come back to that main question you had, um, and I'm toying with the idea of naming that, uh, that sermon series Wordle. Why not, right? Why not? Um, so, uh, those of you who might, might play that game, uh, if not, I'll explain it later. Sorry if that was over your head. Um, but today, we tackle the last question that, we're, that I've decided to tackle, and it's this big one. It's, it's a huge one. It's the longest question that anyone asked. What I mean is, like, I got a paragraph in the answer before the question was actually asked. And it was a really good paragraph, a really good paragraph. Someone in our church explained that often when they see their grandmother, their grandma says something like, I'm just so happy that you're doing well. Such a blessing that this has happened to you. <coughs> Should they, whether they got a new job, or, or whether they found the perfect house, or whether they you know aren't sick anymore and they were sick for a little while. Such a blessing, such a blessing. And then the, the grandma always follows it up with, and you know it's because so many people have been praying for you. So many people have been praying for you. That's why, that's why this happened everything's going so well now for you because the prayers, the fervent prayers of my women's circle and also our whole family, all the fervent prayers of a bunch of faithful people on your behalf. And so as she was saying, telling me this in the paragraph before her question, she said she always just, she always just received it. It was something grandma said, right? This is what grandma does. Until they went through the absolute worst moment of their lives, when they lost a baby. And there wasn't much to say in the midst of all the grief around that. But a year later, when she was pregnant again, and she was able to carry that baby to term, Grandma had something to say again. At a family gathering, Grandma, with all her kindness and her well intention, shared how over the moon she was that this pregnancy had gone so well and that she said you know it's a blessing you know it's because of all of our prayers that it went so well it's because of all those people who've been praying for you god has answered our prayers and she had heard it countless times before but this time those words they hung different in the air They stung different in the gut. She couldn't help but wonder, if it's because of all those prayers that I have this baby now, what was wrong with my prayers the first time? Why didn't God answer my prayers? Were my prayers not enough? I wonder if you have had someone say something like this to you. I wonder if you have wrestled with what, what exactly happens. What exactly happens when we pray? What should we expect from prayer? Does prayer make a difference? And why does God seem to answer some prayers but not answer other prayers? Because I know that we have all experienced the disappointment of prayers unanswered. And and that has led some of us in in divergent directions. Some of us, it's led us to the point of not praying anymore. What is the point of this? And for some of us, it's led us to pray more fervently, going through a period where our prayers were not answered. Pray more fervently so that we can know how to make sense of where God is and how God listens and responds when we do pray. Pray. And this always becomes a thing, right? A national conversation and a political meme when we come face to face with evil happening around us, with war and destruction and injustice. We have, as we have this week, watching the crisis in Ukraine, and it always becomes, oh, oh yeah. So that's right, it becomes a national conversation, right? So often it becomes a national conversation, this whole, thoughts and prayers thing, right? That thoughts and prayers thing. Um, and so this week with Ukraine, we watch things like that happen. Um, and we think, are we, are we supposed to pray or are we supposed to act? And how do we make sense of God and make room for prayer when what we pray for is far from possible? And it's out of our control. And it doesn't seem to make a daggone bit of difference in the real lives of of the people we're praying for in Ukraine, across the globe from us. And so disappointment in anything, but especially in God, in prayer, it's this result, right, of unmet expectations by God. And so in the case of prayer, our expectations of of how God will respond or or should respond are shaped in part by the words we know that Jesus spoke. And so today we, we saw those words. We saw those words on the screen. Did you hear the scripture today? Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, even if you say to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done for you. Whatever you ask for in faith, you will receive. No wonder we're confused. No wonder we're confused about what prayer is and what it's for. No wonder we're disappointed all the time, right? No wonder our friend's first response to her, to her grandmother's assertion of the power of prayer was to ask, If whatever I ask for in prayer I will receive, then, then what about my prayers the first time I asked? Jesus seems to be promising here to do whatever we ask, provided that we have faith. And we read this and other promises like this throughout the Bible and we cannot help but be confused when our prayers go unanswered, right? When we pray for a friend who is dying or for safety for our children or for a job to open up. And we're left confused when our friend dies and we go months and months unemployed. Or something happens to our child. And some Christians explain the failure of these prayers by placing the blame on you. If you Google, do not Google. Lesson learned do not Google theological questions. <laughs> this is why you have a pastor. <laughs> Please do not Google them. Why are my prayers not being answered? If you went and Googled that phrase, you will get a plethora of dangerous responses. The top four, you are not seeking to please God in your life. You have unconfessed sin on your soul. You pray with improper motives. You lack faith and I just find this list obscene to say that God would have answered your prayers for your sick child or your dying friend if only you had more fully sought to please God or if you confess your sins It's, it's misguided and it is cruel but then what does Jesus mean What is going on in this passage then? How do we make sense of it? Here's the thing we know about Jesus. Here's the thing we know. That when he spoke, he almost always used hyperbole. Over and over again, he would make overstatements and would exaggerate to make a point, is what Jesus did. Our problem is that we often try to read Jesus' words hyperliterally instead of hyperbolically, right? In Matthew's Gospel today, we read, whatever you ask, whatever you ask for in prayer and faith, you will receive. Well, were these words meant to be taken literally or are they, are they hyperbolic in nature, inviting Jesus' followers to pray boldly and with faith? This is the same passage in which Jesus tells his followers that by faith they can move mountains. Does Jesus mean that? Literally? No. (laughs) Jesus' hearers understood that Jesus was speaking hyperbolically when he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, with faith you will receive. They didn't think he was suggesting that we could pray for wealth and have it, or we could pray for the Romans to leave, and they would go They didn't think that he was saying pray for world peace and it would instantly happen. Or that they only, if they only prayed with a little bit more faith, all their problems, all their challenges, disappointments and illness magically would disappear or be resolved. Instead, like they knew Jesus wasn't saying that. Instead, I think they they understood it more as Jesus saying, go to God with your burdens. And go to God boldly with your burdens. Be, you're, it's okay to be bold with God in prayer. Trust that God hears your prayers. And in all the ways you don't fully understand, God will see you through it. And I wish he had said it this way. <laughs> I wish Jesus had said a lot of things the way I wish Jesus had said them. Mm-hmm. Right? But he didn't. But the witness of scripture also shows us plenty of examples of how a literal translation of this scripture doesn't make any sense. There are examples over and over in scripture of unfaithful people having their prayers answered over and over and over again. So if that's what Jesus meant in this, makes sense of that, Jesus. And there are examples over and over again of faithful people not having their prayers answered. The Apostle Paul describes often his own struggle with unanswered prayer. And even Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane should be the most notable unanswered prayer in all the Bible. Even Jesus himself did not have his prayers answered so if this is true what then are we to make of prayer what does it what does it do and how how do we understand god's response to it how do we pray now knowing that our prayers might might not be answered and that jesus never intended to say it that way so often in church like after church someday maybe today this will happen you're, you're having a conversation with someone and then as you're finishing up the conversation, you're, the person you're talking to, asks if you, you'll pray for, for something that's going on in their lives. You should say a prayer for my dad. You should say a prayer for my dad. He's not himself. The, the dementia is really, it's kind of kicking in. I feel like he's losing his identity inch by inch. And so then you look into your friend's eyes and and you say, I'm so sorry. This, This must be so bewildering for you. Of course I'll pray for your dad. Of course I'll pray. I'll pray for you too. And then you've made that promise. You've made a promise. A promise a lot of times we don't keep right? But if you do keep that promise, how exactly do you pray for a person in such a situation? What words can you find to wrap around that kind of long and slow-burning tragedy of dementia, right? In which lives and souls unravel and there's no sign of the end of it? Or the sign of the end is just completely jarring and daunting. There are two conventional ways we normally pray. Two conventional ways to pray for your friend and for her dad. And so I'm going to call this first way, I'm going to kind of frame these in pieces of Jesus' life. Jesus, the way, using Jesus' life and what we know about Jesus' life to, to kind of name these various types of prayer. I'm going to call the first way that we can pray the resurrection way of prayer. It's, it's the call for the miracle. It's the prayer for the miracle, right? The resurrection way of prayer. You just say, God, by the power, by the power with which you raise Jesus from the dead, restore this man and mind and body and make himself again the person he was years before the dementia and bring, my friend, the joy, of companionship and hope of a long and fruitful family life together with her dad. And there's always a big part of you that wants to pray this prayer, right? You want this prayer. You love your friend. You you see how watching her dad disintegrate before her eyes is, is breaking her heart. You want God to show some compassion, some change, some action, and in the back of your mind, you maybe have a sense of some other Christians who seem to pray for resurrection all the time. They seem to pray for miracles all the time, and you wonder if you should have more faith. And expect God to do amazing things. Expect God to get, a, get rid of the dementia. But you've also seen <laughs> hopes dashed by that. Alzheimer's ends only one way. And part of you can't even say the word heal because it seems like healing is not gonna happen. And you know Christianity is founded on the prayer of resurrection though. But sometimes you just find it too hard to say. So that's one way you could pray. The other way, another conventional kind of prayer is the prayer of incarnation incarnation, Jesus becoming human. The prayer of incarnation, it's, it's, call, it's a call for the Holy Spirit to be with your friend. That's a way you could pray. To be with her, her and her father. It's a recognition that Jesus was broken, right? Broken and desolate and on the brink of death. And on that brink of death and, and that, that he became human. Part of the deal you sign on to the day you're born is, is that humanity. Our bodies and minds are fragile and frail and sometimes feeble. (coughs) There's no guarantee, though, right? There's no guarantee that life will be easy, comfortable, fun, happy. The prayer of incarnation, then, for your friend says, Jesus, you shared our pain, our foolishness, and our sheer bad luck. You took on our flesh and all of its needs and its clumsiness and its weakness. So visit my friend and her father. Give them patience to endure what lies ahead. Hope for every, every trying day of that. And companions along the way to show up for them in love. <laughs> the irony though of this prayer, so you better watch out, you know, you better watch out when your friend asks you to pray and you don't pray. <laughs> you also better watch out when you pray this prayer because the irony about this prayer is that while the resurrection prayer expects god to do all the work the pr- this prayer stirs up into action the action of us if we say send them companions we better be willing to show up <laughs> or we are praying an empty prayer we've got to be wondering if there's anyone better placed to be such a companion to them than we are. Deep down our friend knows that the prospect for her father is pretty bleak. What she's really asking for when she nervously puts her hand out to to, to clasp your forearm after church is, is help me trust that I'm not alone in this, please. Chances are you can help her with that, yeah? But you'd hardly be human if you didn't feel powerless and didn't also not show up. So although these are the two most common types of prayer, I'm about to tell you about a third option, okay, as we wrap up this. In many circumstances, they say pretty much all we want them to say, these resurrection prayers and these these incarnation prayers. But there's a third kind. And it's the prayer, I would call it the prayer of transfiguration. Which might be a a better prayer for you to sit in. Might be a better prayer for you to offer. It goes like this. God, in your son's transfiguration, we see a whole reality within and beneath and beyond what we ever thought we could understand. And so in their times of bewilderment and confusion, show my friend and her father your glory. That they may find a deeper truth to their life than they ever thought they'd know. Make firmer friends than they ever thought they could have. Discover reasons for living beyond what they ever thought they could imagine. And be folded, that they may be folded in your grace like never before. What this does is it, it takes the, the resurrection prayer and the, and the incarnation prayer. And it says, God, you are so holy beyond anything I know. So if it's your will to heal, heal. And if it's your will for me to be with... <laughs> Show me your glory too. Maybe this is your, your, your real prayer for your friend. Make this trial and tragedy, this problem, this pain a glimpse of your glory, of your mystery, a window into a whole other world. And so let's do that today for Ukraine. God, our, our, our TVs are filled with, with news of what is happening in Ukraine. And our hearts are heavy. And we could pray a resurrection prayer. God, do a miracle and expel Russia from that company, from that, that country. Do a miracle God and make, make the Ukrainian army stronger than they've ever been. Do a miracle God and change the heart of Putin. Do a miracle God and wipe away the tears from their eyes and make suffering no more. Or we could pray, God, teach us how to, to, use, to use me. God, teach, send, send faithful people into that country and companions that can be with them, your Holy Spirit with them now. And God, we know that's a call to us to figure out what our duty is in times of suffering. Lord God, what we what we aim to do today is to pray a prayer of transfiguration. God, may they know your glory. May they know the mystery of your love that sometimes does not rush in to rescue and sometimes overflows and rushes in like a river. May they know the the majesty of your glory, that which we cannot understand. May they know your grace better than they've ever known it before. May they know your peace better than they've ever known it before. May they have an awakening to who you are and to how you are with them. We pray that the mystery of the transfiguration would form us to be people who enter into the mystery. We pray this in your son Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. At the table of the Lord There is peace at the table of the Lord